Welcome to the Mechanics of Storytelling. In this podcast, we talk with different storytellers across various mediums about how they tell their stories in their chosen mediums, the mechanics, the techniques, and the processes. Hey, this is Ezra Justin Lee on the Mechanics of Storytelling podcast today with a very special guest. Today we have Todi Natalizio, mm-hmm. and she is a story consultant. She's worked on a variety of different projects in a variety of different roles. She's worked the tw- last 12 years in both film and TV. Uh, she's had experience in uh, places like uh, major studios, production companies, working on shows like Scandal, California Vacation, Ray Donovan, and even an upcoming Apple series. Uh, she's also even a writer herself. The major theme in her career has been developing, though. Um, and so that's what we're here to talk about, developing stories. So welcome, Tony. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here and making time. It's really it's really <laughs> great to finally meet up. Yeah. Let's see here. So like every other episode, we try to start out with your origin story. How did you come mm-hmm. into being? Not like not like literally, but into mm-hmm. your art. Could sure. you start? Can you start us out there? Yeah, absolutely. So, I think storytelling has always been a really big part of my life. Even you know, as a little kid, um, you know, I loved stories, whether it was books or films or TV, and and writing my own stories. And uh, and I thought, you know, well, I should go to school then, you know, for storytelling. Um, and you know, in college, it became really apparent to me that I, I loved writing, but I also loved um, working with other writers. And so that's sort of been a recurrent theme in the last 12 years for myself is, is working on my projects on the side, but also um, working with other writers, you know, and producers, whether that be at a studio mm-hmm. or um, a production company, um, you know, giving notes, uh, giving creative input. Um, I've I've found it to be really rewarding also working with um, showrunners, um, I want to say the last four or five years, whether it be developing um, you know, their own projects um, or even just giving notes on the shows that we're actually working on uh, together. And then recently I've been sort of doing my own independent um, work, actually working with writers one-on-one. Um, while also, you know, working on my own stuff on the side. So um, it's been pretty exciting to be able to have that collaborative process, but then also have that sort of, you know, solitary, nerdy, you know, in your room writing by yeah. yourself process. Yeah. Do you like both, like the solitary yeah. and then also the collaborative? Yeah, I do. Um, and I think when you're working, you know, with other writers, there's something that's so infectious about, mm. you know, bouncing ideas off of one another and, and also just seeing you know, how someone else uh, saw the story and where they would have, you know, taken it. And mm. and it kind of, it shows you sometimes how limited your own scope can be and, and why it's so important, you know, to get feedback from another person or to work with another person because you're getting a whole other perspective, um, background, you know, life yeah. story. Um, but then, you know, it's, it's nourishing to work on your own stuff, um, you know, because so much of writing is is therapeutic in terms of of figuring out sort of what's ailing, you know, you and what's nagging at you on the inside, and 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 how you want to connect with people, and um, so I think it's 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 a special experience, you yeah. know, in both ways. It sounds like a sort of reflexive exercise in terms yes. of how to be human. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> That's really amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about in the in the writers' room when you guys are arguing. Do you, do you argue? 
It's I not mean, always unanimous, right? There's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of arguing. Um, I'm for sure, you know, lower level uh, and even support, you know, support staff. So I think if I started arguing, <laughs> it probably <laughs> it probably wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be good for me. But there's absolutely, you know, especially at the higher level, there's yeah. there's absolutely arguing and, mm-hmm. and debating, and it could become kind of emotional for people, sure. right? Um, because uh, even though the goal is to, you know, be telling this one story, the <laughs> step one is figuring out what is the story. Yeah. And when you yeah, have four sure. or five people that are passionate and also have egos, mm-hmm. you know, it can become um, very exciting and emotional and, and, and mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, not necessarily emotional, but become um, very fiery yeah. um, because people care. Yeah, um, and people absolutely. want their voices and their perspectives to to be heard and yeah. to be part of what that end story you know ends up being. Sure. On the one hand, caring makes it amazing because then mm-hmm. the art's better, mm-hmm. but it also makes it more fierce, I guess. When it does you're, when you're battling it out for which idea. It wins. does, and I think good creativity you know, connects with vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of people who feel naked, you know, (laughs) arguing their point. And if they're not feeling validated, it can get absolutely fiery. So yeah, yeah. Which ideas win? Are they always yours? Um, Well, (laughs) you know, again, I think it depends on on the space. It's like if I'm consulting with somebody, um, I think I tend to be trying to challenge that person to see every side. you know, if it's in a writer's room, again, my my job is a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, usually I'm supporting the the showrunner in some way, so yeah. I'm not as integral to the writer's room. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's myself, you know, and I'm getting feedback, then you're you're getting challenged by the other person. Yeah. So no matter what sense, whether I'm being challenged or I'm challenging or I'm mm-hmm. observing, you know, people, you know, being challenged, um, you know, I do think uh, it's always a very interesting experience because you're seeing people caring about something yeah um and you're definitely learning about humans in the process that's, that's super cool and beautiful and probably <laughs> yeah. terrifying at the same it time it is it is no matter what side of yeah. the table you know so you have to yeah. you have to kind of be be comfortable uh being uncomfortable yeah. or just being uncomfortable that's with being right. uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. and that's again part of being human <laughs> yes yes before we get a little bit in the weeds of sure. like what you do for your work and how you sure. actually craft the stories with other folks. Yeah. I kind of wanted to bring it back a little bit to you again. Okay. Uh, from what you briefly explained, it sounds like you have a really diverse body of experience in entertainment yes. and like <laughs> trying to come up with stories, but it seems like right. the general path professionally is kind of converging and it's leading up to more of a kind of creative producing role. Yes. And yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your path that way? It, is, right. Has it been intentional? Has it been organic? Has it been reluctant? Like, what has it been like yeah. for you? You know, I think, (laughs) talk about being human. Um, I think, you know, something that I really learned this year um, is I think we try to control, you know, where we're going to end up. And I think this has been a great lesson of letting go and sort of uh, letting the unexpected and and unknown to kind of govern and being comfortable with that. You know, because I always saw myself, oh, I'm going to, you know, end up being a TV writer. Um, And, you know, (laughs) my trajectory has been, oh, I'm actually more myself into, uh, you know, essays and features, but I still actually love, you know, working, um, you know, on TV projects with other writers and working on uh, their own projects. Maybe it's in features. So uh, I, I think, you know, 
now kind of stepping into creative producing as my actual you know profession whether it's you know story consulting or actually being hired by a company to be more of a creative producer or creative executive um you know i think it has been rewarding because again like i said earlier you know the last 12 years i've been doing um a lot of developing and in, in, in some way whether it's with a showrunner or whether it's with a production company or studio so it's actually all kind of culminating in, in yeah. a strange way into yeah. this new role that i'm i'm moving into where i'm kind of stepping out of that uh, TV writer aspirations and moving into this role that um, where I'm utilizing all these strengths, you mm-hmm. know, and these skills that I've I've built up over the last 12 years, but I'm also still working on my own stuff on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, it's more solitary. You yeah. know, features and essays are more solitary. Yeah. So it's been kind of a, a, a strange means of letting go um, of an identity sure. um, and being open to uh, a new identity that I've actually kind of always had yeah. um, and just never really latched onto. And now I'm like, you know what? This is my strength, and this That's is what I'm going to do in my do yeah my my day to day. Excuse me, mm-hmm. while I work on my own stuff. I really like that. <laughs> Hopefully like, that makes sense. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Let me see if I get you right. Yeah. It sounds like you wanted to be directly involved in the creative process as a writer. Yes. And you wanted to tell your stories. Yes. And you found yourself being really good at helping other people tell their stories. Yes. And that yes. seems to be your tr- your professional trajectory. Exactly. But you're really respecting that original space by also allowing it to be free in uh, extracurricular time. Exactly. You completely like, completely hit it on the head where, yeah. uh, you know, I can use my skills of, of developing stories with other people yeah. and really figuring out how can we... Uh, you know, tell the story best. Yeah, I so. think that's a really wonderful and healthy balance of yeah. acceptance, but also freedom, which is like what we're all trying to do, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I also kind of want to help our newer listeners, especially if they're newer to TV or producing sure. and all that stuff, to some yeah. defini- definitions. Sure. So um, you, you help consult stories and storytellers so that mm-hmm. they can tell better stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you give them ideas, maybe you work with them on like mm-hmm. what is working, what's not. Mm-hmm. And to me, that sounds like that's actually what creative producers do mm-hmm. at a higher level. Mm-hmm. And so as a creative producer, you just get to do that in a more formal capacity. Is mm-hmm. that correct, definitionally? Yeah, exactly. So it's like what I do independently as a story consultant is, is someone brings in a project um, and uh, you know, essentially I ask them, you know, what is the story that you're trying to tell? And um, and then they tell me what the story is. And then based on what I read, I can sort of be like, okay, well, this is how I received it. And then we then are able to define the gap. Okay, this is, this is where the gap, this is where the gap is, and this is how we need to close the gap. And so I've then taken those skills and um, I'm able to, in a more corporate sense, <laughs> then uh, transfer those into a company where it's not just, you know, working with, you know, one or, or two writers one-on-one. It's 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 working um, on various, various projects at one time mm-hmm. um, for an actual company and not just, you know, as an independent contractor. Yeah. This is Ezra Justin Lee on the Mechanics of Storytelling podcast. Today with special guest, Tony Natalizio who is a story consultant and creative producer for TV and film. We'll be back in just a moment, so stay tuned. Yeah, why don't we talk about like, okay, how do you get an idea for a story and then how do you structure it? Okay, sure. Um, So I think with how you get ideas, it can come from so many 
you know, different places. So it can come from simply you being interested in an actual character, but that can come from just seeing someone walk down the street, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and asking yourself, there's something so interesting about that person. I mm. wonder how they got to that place. Or there can be an article that you read, you know, of, oh, that that's an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be just someone in your life. You know, I mean, how many people write stories about their parents, yeah. <laughs> about their, <laughs> their ex-lovers or their yeah. current lovers or friends, you know, so... I can imagine can... you just like stalking people on Facebook. And like, <laughs> I'm doing research for work. <laughs> just scrolling through photos, I'm for inspiration. For <laughs> Thankfully, no one in that capacity has has become a subject. <laughs> but you know, it's you can kind of start from there. Or you know, I've also, I think there's always something nagging where it's that character, or there's a nagging scene that replaces. Ooh, replacing your head over and over again. Um, so, and then you always have to ask yourself, why do I keep seeing this scene over and mm. over again? Or with, it could, or I'm sorry, with that character, or not even with that character. It could be again a nagging character, mm. or it could be something separate, a nagging scene. There's just a situation that's playing mm-hmm. over and over in your head, mm-hmm. and it's your job to sort of investigate it. Like, why is the scene keep popping up in my head? What's mm-hmm. interesting? What's compelling? Um, the same questions you would ask about a character. Or it's kind of a premise, you know? There can just be a philosophical idea mm-hmm. that's that's interesting to you. But again, it's asking the same investigative questions. Right. Why do I care about this? It's really figuring out why do I care about this? Because that's that's the emotion, that's the, uh, sorry, motivation. Right. That's what's gonna keep you writing this for potentially yeah. years and years and years. Because if you don't care about it, it it's gonna completely drop off the face of the earth. Okay, so let's let's stop yeah. really quick. Yeah. So it seems like there's two things, two big things. Yeah. One is identifying the character. Mm-hmm. Usually they're interesting for some reason because mm-hmm. you connect with them in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So we got that. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is finding a challenge or a question mm-hmm. that they want, they or you want to answer. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the form of an interesting situation that mm-hmm. maybe this character will be part of, or mm-hmm. so forth, or maybe it would be like what kind of like little challenge or issue would they face and overcome something mm-hmm. like that so those are are those the two pieces the so character I, and then the question mark so i think the best way i can answer that is i think no matter where you start right whether it's with this again this scene that i talked to you about like whether it's the this this nagging scene or this nagging philosophical you know uh question or idea or world maybe mm-hmm. you're interested in a world or there's this this character in your head at the end of the day it's all gonna distill to a character it's just it's just essentially where you're starting if you're starting from character great Mm -hmm. but if you're not lucky enough to have necessarily a character in your head Mm -hmm. it's again the scene it's the world it's the philosophical idea there's that investigative work that needs to be done of why is this interesting you know why you know why am i telling this why do i care what's compelling because after you do that then you think of okay you know what worlds would tend to this and after you think about okay what worlds would tend to this you think about well what characters are in those worlds right. do you see what i'm saying so, so it's like creating the universe yeah so it's like if you can start with a character great because everything's going to stem from the character that means you already have your world mm-hmm. you know you already have that dilemma and so then the story is coming from that dilemma and then plot is it's just externalizing that story. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, every screenwriting book you get, every screenwriting class, they're like, start with story, sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, start with character, start with character. Because again, that's where story is gonna come from. Right. But we don't always have that character first. And so then we have to do the hard work of, of, of starting with those nagging, 
you know, feelings, experiences, uh, situations, ideas to then get to the character. I see. See what I'm saying? So we're, it's yeah. all distilled to character. It almost sounds like the first first things first. Mm-hmm. You want to establish a character mm-hmm. and or some kind of premise, mm-hmm. and then that helps you understand like this is the super question that we're mm-hmm. going to be answering over the course of this serial content. Because mm-hmm. uh, each, each episode might have its own story arc, mm-hmm. but the super story arc will be how do we get this character to answer this question in a meaningful way? Is, is that right? Yeah, so I think, I mean, TV and film have a, definitely have a lot of differences. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, story, um, features are very finite. So they are looking at something very, very specific, a specific mm-hmm. thesis. Because could, the time you, is so short, too, Time right? is so short. And so I, I think there are a lot of similarities to like an essay or a paper Mm -hmm. because you are then trying to support this thesis uh, in your film. Mm -hmm. So you have characters that represent the pros and cons of what, you know, of that argument that you're trying to make, that thesis. Whereas with TV, you know, I think there's something a little more broad, right? So if we look at the show of Breaking Bad that seems to be universally known, you know, Vince Gilligan said, what I'm exploring is the study of change. That's a little more vague, right? And Mm -hmm. so, uh, but he did it brilliantly. You know, every season goes back to the study of change of this person or this character. So at the heart of it, and a lot of stories actually, Mm -hmm. is personal transformation. Yes, yes. Or if it's not personal transformation, um, you know, I think in a lot of indie films, uh, sometimes it's just showing, quite frankly, the struggle Mm -hmm. of, of, not even really being able to transform. You just are kind of seeing this character struggling and struggling and struggling mm-hmm. to try to change and being right. unable to do it and just show how hard change is. Right. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, most most films, whether it be negative change or positive change, mm-hmm. have some sort of transformation. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So let's let's actually focus on uh, TV shows. Okay. Because that's actually very, it seems like there's more moving parts and a little mm-hmm. bit more complicated, maybe a little more meat there. Mm-hmm. Um, with a show like Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. I imagine, maybe you can help confirm or disconfirm this, mm-hmm. is that before they start writing, they have this super story, this mm-hmm. narrative that they want to be able to cover within the course of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, like this person, we want this person to transform to this uh, sure. This act, this new person or realization, mm-hmm. and then on the way, like we can think of new episodes to help help them get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that is that a correct assumption? Yeah, exactly. I think it's. I think you know, the writers might not exactly know um, the specifics of how it's going to end, mm-hmm. but I think there is typically a discussion of where they're emotionally going to end. Where mm-hmm. do we want them to emotionally be? So yeah. they might not know the plot points, right? Yeah. But they kind of know where the character is emotionally going to be. Without that, you have a moving target. You don't really know what you're building to. So I don't think it's that efficient. You know, I think you need to kind of know where you emotionally want to land your character. That makes sense. Um, And then you have a room of six to eight, sometimes more, especially in comedy. There could be up to 20 writers. Um, You know, you have you have a group of writers trying to break down kind of the mini blocks of, of getting to that end point. That makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. because even as you're improving or mm-hmm. making up episodes as you go, you need mm-hmm. some kind of trajectory or, exactly. or parameter. You kind of need to know what you're shooting for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've that definitely, I've definitely been on um, on shows that have had moments where they didn't necessarily know where they were going, mm-hmm. and um, I think we hit some, we hit some major roadblocks. Um, Would you say that's a pretty major so, pitfall you've seen? When they don't have that super trajectory, that super story, I guess. Yeah, I. It's it's very interesting because you, you think that it would be 
sort of a baby writer uh, pitfall. But I, I think it can happen, you know, to the best of us. And and I don't think it's necessarily um, sort of one person that makes it happen. I think you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, you have you have it at the studio level. You have the network influence. Sometimes you even have cast influence. Oh, Whether yeah. the showrunner wants the cast to, you know, have their input or not, sometimes they do. And so I think because of that, it, it can create a, a moving target whether we mm. want to or not. But I think that's something that should definitely be straight away from. I think the more clarity you have, the better. I think if you know where you want to go, mm-hmm. the better. And I think um, a lot of times you're asked to know where you're going three or five seasons you know, in the future. Um, not just one. It's like, well, where are we going to end yeah. you know, season three? Yeah. Uh, sometimes there's even that expectation. So um, I think there is uh, this need for clarity uh, if we want to have stories that are, yeah. are cohesive and yeah. not rambling. Also, could, could, is there a term for that super story that we talked about? Is there a term for that? Super story. Like that the guiding story arc uh, across all episodes that you kind of establish? Um, I mean, I, I think maybe season arc. Season you know, arc. I, I think you will hear the reference of season arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, potentially series arc, but I, I haven't heard that as much as, okay. uh, as, as season arc. Okay. Yeah. I like where this is going. Mm-hmm. And I really like how we're focusing on transformation, personal sure. transformation of our characters. Yeah. Because the difference I'm realizing between like a story you tell your friends over drinking mm-hmm. or over dinner and an actual mm-hmm. story, maybe that you would uh, tell in, in a more meaningful like way, mm-hmm. like, like a TV series or something, mm-hmm. is that uh, it's not just a series of outrageous events that have occurred. <laughs> it's not just a sequence of facts and events or details, right? That are yeah. like fun to listen to. Yeah. Um, they're about, yeah, maybe those things, but yeah. about how a person changes and develops and transforms and even realizes things about themselves in a, in a yeah. sort of way, right? Because that's what yeah. I feel like captures our imagination and our attention. That's mm-hmm. what, those are the stories we remember, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that. Is, that. is that kind of true of the stories that you have worked on crafting? Yeah, so I, I guess to sort of regurgitate, so what you're saying is that you know, the difference between sort of just telling stories around, you know, a table versus telling stories in a TV format or a film format is is there being that meaning, right? Is that what you're getting to in terms of, of film and TV is asking the hard question of why is this important? Yeah. You know, why does this need to be seen? Why, why do we need money to make this film? Like, what's important about it? Is that sort of what you're asking is... is um, the difference between uh, a beer time story and <laughs> and an actual story we'd want to watch on TV or film. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think um, that is always something that's being asked. Is especially in development, is we do get those beer time stories yeah. of okay, this is this is important to you, this is important to your friends, but but why is this important to an audience? Yeah. How can an audience connect to this funny? Story that happened to you. That's Why so many. Care about them? Yeah, and mm-hmm. so um, I sort of think that's that's a huge question, and that's honestly a really frustrating question for writers because it's so interesting to them. But then it's like, well, the hard part is making it interesting to other people, you know, and and it's finding what's universal about it, mm-hmm. even if you're a completely different background from the next person, you know. Um, and this can go back to the you know the Breaking Bad example yeah. is is I think the reason that story was 
was so relatable to people of all different backgrounds is is again is because this character had a very universal care. Mm-hmm. It was crap. I'm going to die. I need to ensure that my family is going to be okay. Yeah. That they're not on the street. I think most people can relate to wanting to provide for family. Yeah. And it even transcends beyond just family. It transcends to existential purpose, to to just having purpose in life. Is mm-hmm. is this Walter White was going to um, die without having any sort of legacy? Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of took care of two things that I think we care about most family, community, and then also our purpose in life. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Meaning. So it's, you know, it's not just, you know, Walter White had a bad day at the car wash because his students were being mean to him. Like, he could tell that story to his wife right around the table. But it's it's why that, you know, that scene in the pilot is so devastating. It's because this guy is about to die and he feels like he has, you know, no purpose. Yeah. You know, um, or has had no real purpose, has had no real legacy. Um, and it's it's sort of, that's what's interesting. Yeah. You know, and or you could even just take something at a higher level. You know, um, I think Vince Gilligan had actually um, read an article about a teacher who was, who was, uh, who was selling meth. Okay, uh, that's interesting, right? But what actually really um, makes us want to watch it is the, is, is the teacher who's selling meth because he wants to provide for his family. That's interesting. That is that that is that is what elevates an interesting idea to an interesting story. Right. Is is why this character is doing what they're doing. What is motivating them? I like what you're doing there. You're doing. Yeah. It's kind of bringing it first full circle. Yeah. You're identifying the character you want to tell a story of. Mm-hmm. This meth person. Mm-hmm. This, meth, <laughs> this teacher is selling meth. Yeah. And then you come up with, well, why would they do that? And that's that's exactly. the story. That's the question. Exactly. Mark. And why they're doing it, you know should be something that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. So that's what takes a character that's interesting and different from us, right? Yeah. Walter White is probably not really that similar to you, right? Uh, <laughs> he is a very a white di- man he you're not white, or- you're not a teacher, you're not living mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So it's like but I bet you can relate to really caring about family and doing anything that you can to take care of your family. Yeah. And also wanting purpose in your life. Yeah. That's something that you can also relate to yeah. as a non-white <laughs> person living in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, um, I do think, uh, yeah, I do think Breaking Bad is kind of an interesting it's exploration into what we're talking about. Yeah. This is Ezra Justin Lee on the Mechanics of Storytelling podcast, today again with special guest Tony Natalizio, who is a story consultant and creative producer for TV and film. In a moment, we're going to talk a bit about character psychology and development, so stay with us. Most stories aren't about characters in isolation, right? Mm -hmm. They're about the interrelationship between characters, and I've always been interested in that because when you start weaving a story with multiple characters, then there tends to be multiple storylines. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like added complexity, mm-hmm. um, more dialogue. Mm-hmm. So how do you think about both of those things, the, the interweaving of different storylines mm-hmm. and even like writing of dialogue? Right. So I think, um, you know, if we're, if we're looking at TV specifically uh, in this case, um, you know, what happens is that you have a leading protagonist. And then... Um, 
characters are built based off of that leading protagonist. But what's really important is you need to know what the dilemma is of that protagonist, specific dilemma, because then those characters are gonna represent the different elements of that dilemma. So you have someone that's challenging this character in different ways. You have various characters that are challenging this character. Um, and I think that's kind of how um, the rest of the story you know, is, is built out. Um, and then I think a similar process is done um, with film, but again, it's a little more finite and you don't typically have a group of writers mm -hmm. who are sort of thinking about what is the character's dilemma and, and mm -hmm. what characters can we use to surround you know, uh, this character. You're kind of doing that um, more by yourself or maybe with a producer or, or a development team. Sure. Um, but it's a similar, it's a similar uh, question you have to ask yourself is, is really what is the dilemma um, of this character, what is the heart of darkness? Meaning, what does this character fear most? And how do I attack the hell out of that? Mm. And then once you brainstorm, how do I attack the hell? You know, out of the heart of darkness of this character, you start to see scenarios, which then brings up other characters. Mm. Um, so that's kind of you know what I've always suggested other writers do, and what I've done for for myself. Um, interweaving characters is honestly incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, interweaving storylines is incredibly difficult. But I think um, it becomes easier when it goes back to clarity, what we talked about earlier, really knowing what you're talking about. Because I think when you get a really hairy story, and the and the term hairy is used for convoluted, mm -hmm. that's when you hear a hairy story, it's like there's too much fat on a story. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very likely that the writer doesn't totally know yet what they're writing about. And I can speak also for myself. It's like, <laughs> oh, wow, my script is now 200 pages. Right. This is a problem. <laughs> and, <laughs> Need and to by, cut that down. <laughs> and by fat, you mean like it's, det it's detracting from the trajectory it has? Or yeah. you want it to have for a given episode arc or even a season arc. Right. right. So, again, it could be TV or film. It's like, okay, we have way too much here. That means we probably don't know yet what we're trying to talk about. Sure. That means that we're flirting with a couple of different ideas, mm -hmm. a couple of different intents for either the episode or for the feature. Mm -hmm. And so then the really, really hard part is then saying, what are you trying to say? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is asking yourself or challenging the writer that you're working with. Um, or if you are a writer in a writer's room, you know, specifically the number two is asking the room, wait, what are we trying to say? You know, if we have too much going on, that means that we're probably flirting with too many ideas. So then it's it's really, really streamlining. Oh, this is the story. This is the angle. This is what we're trying to do. Hmm. And that's hard. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's definitely hard when you have a room of writers who might be attached to various ideas in a story. Yeah. But then that's why you have a showrunner or a number two is they're kind of, they can say yay or nay. Yeah. Um, but then when you're by yourself, it's honestly really difficult because you're attached to all of it. That's and right. so it's then the whole phrase of killing your babies, mm. you know, it's, but it, it always helps because it distills the story. And when you distill the story, that's when the audience can, you know, really fully receive it. If I you see. give them a hairy baby, <laughs> they're not, they're not going <laughs> to, sorry, they're not going to know what to do with the hairy baby. They're not going to know what you're trying to say. It sounds like you're talking so. about dogs. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people have hairy dog babies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just very rambunctious dogs. There you um, go. So you've got to train the dog. You got to shave it down, Yeah. Uh, you know, to something that 
an audience can receive and understand. It's recognizable. Recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really great analogy <laughs> that you kind of. I didn't even circle. plan it. That was great. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's awesome. So, I am sorry for kind of reducing this. I, no, I don't mean it's it fine. to sound dismissive, but it almost sounds like really basic. Like mm-hmm. you want a guiding star. You yeah. want that season. Oh arc yeah. So that when you get lost, you can be like, wait, wait, what story? What greater story are you trying to tell? And that right. would probably apply to like a movie even, or even mm. like a single episode of a, a great right. series, right? Like yeah. what is that arc? That guiding star is what are we trying to say? And that yeah. that is something that you can apply to a TV show, or it's something you can apply to a film. Honestly, anything that you write. The yeah. guiding star in a paper, you know, let's say in, in college, is the thesis. Mm-hmm. Everything needs some sort of thesis. It's just going to be called something different right. depending on the medium. Um, Going back to the example of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. I remember my friend and I talking about how they write the episodes, mm-hmm. and he was telling me, I hope this is true, mm-hmm. he was telling me in the writer's room, they would write themselves into impossible situations. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they would have to write themselves out of those impossible mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing in those situations, as they were trying to write themselves out of these impossible scenarios, they would have to constantly remember what is that guiding arc? What is that mm-hmm. point we're trying to make at the end? Because otherwise, like, Mm-hmm. They would never finish any episodes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, could you could you maybe attest to maybe how voracious or true that might be? <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean I I actually think some of the best storytellers have done that. I know that the creators of um, Game of Thrones have done that. Um, I know, um, uh, shoot, I actually can't remember the name of the show, mm-hmm. um, but. Yeah, I think some of the some of the greatest storytellers do that because they if they don't put their characters, you know, or push their characters or story um, into that place, it's going to be too predictable for the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having that sort of that north star is is actually what's going to help them get out of it, right? Because if they know their characters so deeply, they're going to know their greatest fears. They're going to know their greatest wants. And so they can kind of use those, right, to sort of um, almost as levers. It's like, how do I get a character to do something? Well, if you know their greatest fear, you're going to know how to get them out of that situation. See what I'm saying? What do they want? Kind of push on that. When you're you're first designing the schematics of a mm -hmm. show or or a feature, Mm -hmm. even before you start, do you Mm -hmm. make like these psychology uh, diagrams of each character? Do you map out the psychologies? Oh, my God, yeah. Um, At least, you know, when I challenge other writers that I'm working with, um, you know, as as well as myself, it's always like... Until you actually really know the character's dilemma and and know their background, even if in the actual show or film you see 10% of it, Mm -hmm. you need to know all of that because that's going to inform the motivations of the characters. So we might not know, you know, the the exact relationship they have with their parents Mm. or an ex-lover or or whatnot. We need to know that because that's all going to inform who they are and why they're making decisions they're making. So um, you know, it's always it's always really important to have that sort of psychology profile, yeah. and it can be pages and pages and pages. Yeah. Um, I don't think you know I don't think you can do too much of it. What where it becomes a problem is when you start including some of that backstory mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily need to be there in your actual work. Sure. Um, but you can never know enough. 
sure. Um, but to go back to your, you know, to go back to your question, I, I do think that that guiding star is important because when you when you back these characters or the story into a corner, I think it start it starts to become easy to sort of throw spaghetti against a wall to try to get them out. Yeah. Right. You're kind of like, oh crap! Like, how do I do this? Yeah. So then. Uh, you know, if you're not as skilled, it starts to become desperate and you start to then just create, you know, plot that doesn't necessarily need to be there or things become obviously a little bit too convenient. You're like, like oh, right? yeah, they had a knife in their backpack yeah. and they're not a character who would, you know, have a knife in their backpack <laughs> sure. to get them out of the situation. So I think, you know, there's an, it can be really convenient to get these characters out of the situation that you back them into sure. if you're not as skilled. But I think, um, you know, it's a testament to those that are very skilled because the way that they get themselves out of the situation is typically character-based. You know, we can go to Breaking Bad. Yeah. So you have that, oh my gosh, it's been forever, but I think it's in season one and and Walter White is surrounded by like gang members. Yeah. And you're like, how is this guy gonna get himself out of this random like building? And he uses science to do so. Oh he he's able to um, you know, create some sort of chemical effect, which, you know, I, I can't remember if it either um, you know, hinders their sight so he's able to run away or it creates mm. some sort of explosion, which then obviously impairs them. I, right. I can't exactly remember um, what it is. All I remember is it stuck out in my mind as, wow, yes. they actually went back into the character's arsenal and really thought about how would this character um, get themselves out of the situation in a way that's organic to them. Right. So Walter White was able to use science, you know, his bread and butter, mm. something that he had never really been able to to do for himself and create a larger legacy for himself, but he's able to do in the situation. Wow. So I love that. I yeah. love how you tie in like all these like big things, these small things, for example, like his greater desire to like build a legacy for himself. Right. And then into that specific moment. And at the right. same time right. bring it back to this. He's able to do something really cool That's with right. his knowledge that he wasn't able to do yeah. before. And you're delighting the audience in a way yeah. uh, because it's like, oh yeah, we, we already knew that. But you're making us remember that in a in a way that's really delightful and unexpected, mm -hmm. which makes it like oh and yeah and unexpected exactly it's unexpected and yet familiar because we knew about we knew that about him the whole time right right and it's something that you know as the audience member we're sitting there and we're like how is this guy gonna get out of this crazy situation mm. like a room with men with guns mm -hmm. you know and you're like I don't know like. It's a, you know, it's a series, so he'll likely get out. He's the protagonist, <laughs> so he'll likely get out of the situation, but how is he gonna do it? And yeah. then it takes it back to the inner core of the character. I love that. Th yeah. That seems to be a running theme in our conversation. And again, yeah. this is not planned. <laughs> but, it, but it seems to be like, let's go back to the basics. Who right. is this character? What do they want? What are they about? Exactly. And what can they do and all sorts of things. And, exactly. then, and then when it comes to the story, like, what are we trying to say? Right. How does it relate back to these main things? Right. And that right. that's amazing. That's right. beautiful. He's able to take pride in what he knows best, something he hasn't really been able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's felt feckless for so long. And all yes. of a sudden, he's like, I'm doing a thing. Exactly. And I just did it to these gangsters, and I'm exactly. getting away Exactly. And he's getting away, and he is the successful person in the situation. Wow. Yeah. That is, that is brilliant. Uh, we're not, we're a little bit out of time, so okay. before we like close up, I kind of wanted to ask you a couple last yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, maybe uh, I'm curious about like your personal stories, what it's like in uh -huh. the writers' room. Uh -huh. um, do you have any like interesting stories or like maybe dramatic stories or notable stories <laughs> about uh, 
what it's been like in those rooms. Maybe something to speak to, uh, like the most common pitfalls mm-hmm. of creating a story. You don't mm-hmm. have to name names, but mm-hmm. um, maybe something that would perhaps be useful to yeah. up-and-coming writers. Um, you know, I think, and this is actually why, in terms of my own personal writing, I've steered more um, towards features. Is I think, you know, one of the hard parts in TV is is it's actually the strength as well is is you are collaborating with other people so you are getting all these perspectives and stories but what's really difficult is is sometimes getting your voice heard and it becomes a battle of of you know who gets their voice heard and sometimes it's not necessarily based on merit it's it's based on hierarchy and i think that's what became really difficult for me um and i think um, people can thrive, you know, in that environment, and um, and they know how to navigate that environment. And I, I don't necessarily think it's for everybody. So, but if you're a woman. Are there? Is it mostly men in these rooms? <laughs> yes. Okay, so it must, yeah, that must be. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think there. I think there are typically uh, a lot of men. Um, I do think, though, that we are in a place where diversity is being embraced yeah. a lot more. And that a lot more women are coming into rooms That's and awesome. people of color and and I think diverse backgrounds. It's crazy that it's 2019 and we're thinking, oh, it's important to have people of various backgrounds in rooms. It's like, well, of course, you know, we're a very diverse world. We're an yeah. incredibly diverse country. Like, why is this now <laughs> in 2019 where we're starting to really embrace um, having multiple, you know, perspectives? Uh, in a room, so I'm I'm really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like that's the beauty of a room is you have all these perspectives. But I think um, whether we like it or not, politics are a huge part of a writer's room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, honestly, I think for me it was it, it's just been a hard thing to navigate. Yeah. So um, I'm happy to navigate it in a, a more uh, development you know standpoint right um i think for me that makes a little more sense i think it's a little more personal i think you know you can work one-on-one with people um you can kind of stray away from you know the bullshit (laughs) (laughs) um a a little better and i think for me with features it's you can collaborate with people but it can be a little more on your own terms and Mm -hmm. you can really focus on the stories that you that you personally want to tell um, and same thing with story consulting. It's like, it's so exciting for someone to bring you a project and, and be like, hey, let's 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 work on this. Or I'm, I'm struggling on this part. And you can kind of, you can get to the nitty gritty of it without having to navigate 50 other people. Hmm. Um, I feel like a TV room can kind of be like Congress. <laughs> and if we know anything about politics, we know that Congress can be a really, really excruciating place to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that's my my most you know honest answer uh, you know that I can give you in terms of the the pitfalls is is sort of uh, not always did the best ideas get get on the board um, and uh, and I think that can be honestly the downfall of a story is that mm-hmm. some people's stories that really should be recognized don't yeah. get recognized because of politics. And I'm sure there's uh, situations where it has been successful, which is why. Maybe a lot you see a lot of that still, mm-hmm. but I really hope it kind of mm-hmm. veers the other way. Yeah, I and I and I really I do I do feel hopeful. I do think that rooms are are giving more of a place for for voices, and it's it's not as hierarchical where you know the top three or four people in the room, you know, 
have uh, sort of the end-all be-all decisions, I do think there's uh, more of an open mind and, and more awareness, right, of, of various stories. So I think that is that is great. And, and I'm totally open to, to going back, back into it, but um, I'm sort of excited of where I am right now. Of course. Do you have any social media or any like work that you'd like to promote to our audience? If not, we can. I mean, I I am on Instagram. Uh, you know, even though I'm a, <laughs> I'm a millennial, I don't have a huge social presence. Um, but this is kind of geeky. My Instagram is is toe knee as like the actual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like as, your patella. Your yeah, knee. yeah, your toe t o e. K N E E says hi. Um, that is my Instagram uh, Instagram handle. Um, you know, so I any followers is, is totally fine. Um, and uh, you know, I'm sure they can reach out to you um, in terms of getting in contact with me for any story consulting uh, work. I'm happy to that'd be amazing to be in touch with people. Yeah. Yeah, Tony. So. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. This was this was awesome. <laughs> This episode was hosted by Ezra Justin Lee with special guest Tony Natalizio, who is a story consultant and creative producer for TV and film. Intro music for the episode was by Eric Chow and interlude and closing music by John Ringhofer of Half-Handed Cloud. For more information on this podcast or to check out other episodes, visit our website at mostpodcast.com. That's M-O-S-T podcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram under the handle mostpodcast. And that's a wrap. So until next time, take care and thanks for listening.